Hi, welcome to the Holton Baptist Church podcast. We are really glad that you have joined us and we pray that the message you're about to hear will really bless you, encourage you and help you to encounter God afresh for yourself. Great to have you with us. Enjoy. So I'd like to invite you to cast your minds back to the week that has just been. Think about what you were doing Think about who you were with. Think about where you went. Now, for each of us, that's going to look very different. Some of us last week would have been dominated by work, whatever that may be. Perhaps retail, perhaps nursing, administration, perhaps servicing swimming pools, perhaps crawling through spiderweb-coated tunnels to inspect gas meters and so on. For some, it was being with family or friends, looking after children or relatives, For some, it was study or even the gentle peace of retirement, which, judging by what I know from some of you guys, is actually even busier than when you were working. So we've all got that to look forward to. Perhaps you spent time with friends. Perhaps you went shopping. You went to the hairdressers. Maybe you went fishing. In fact, allowing for an average night's sleep of eight hours, and if you do manage to get eight hours sleep a night, let me know your secret. I'd love to get that much. We all managed somehow to fill, oh, that hasn't come up, 112 hours in the week. So here's the question. For those 112 hours, were you living as an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ? How many of those 112 hours were you a living witness to Jesus by the way you speak, by the way you live, by the way you act. And this morning, we're starting this new series, Frontline Sundays. And the purpose of this is to help us think about how we can and should be using those 112 hours. How can we bear witness to the good news of Jesus wherever we are, whoever we are, and whatever we're doing? And how it's not an accident that God has placed us exactly where we are. And that he calls us to live every single moment of our lives for him. Because that is what makes all the difference in the world. So we're just going to pray for our series. Then we're going to watch a short video clip. And then we'll get into this morning's theme. Lord, we pray that this series will transform us. That we will be moved by your spirit to understand your call to us to be your people 24-7 that you would anoint us, that you would bless us, that you would encourage us, and that you would fill us to overflowing, that as we leave our church services, we recognize that we go into the world to serve you. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Through your spirit, we pray. Amen. Over a month, Around 6% of the UK gather together to worship Jesus. It feels like we're too few to make a difference. But the reality is, Monday to Saturday, God has us. Scattered in the world, connecting to hundreds and thousands of people. So wherever you are. Whoever you are. Whatever you do. You can make all the difference in the world. 
And on Sundays, when we gather together, we strengthen and empower one another to be sent out again for life on our front lines. Like all of you, I have things that I am interested in and things I am not interested in in my life. And that's often based around the things that I enjoy. It's the things that bring pleasure. Those are the things that we tend to be interested in. So I am interested in music. And that's a great source of pleasure to me. And I invest my time and my energy and my money into pursuing that interest. I am interested in cooking. I absolutely love to cook. So I spend time cooking and learning about cooking and finding new recipes. I'm interested in reading. So again, I put a lot of time, effort, finances, and energy into reading. I'm not interested in sports. And sorry to those of you who are, it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't float my boat. And so I spend basically no time thinking about it, engaging with it, or learning about it, unless it happens to suit a sermon that I'm going to preach that Sunday. I'm not that interested in DIY either. So I don't have an extensive collection of tools or spend my weekends putting up shelves or building a deck in the back garden. And on that note, no, I'm not that interested in gardening either. Now, I'm sure we're all similar. You can all think, I'm sure, of things that are interesting to you and things that aren't. Things you are interested in and things you're not. And that's fine. That's great. That's normal. That's what we're like. And when we think like that, fantastic. We should embrace our interests. We should. We should celebrate them. And we shouldn't castigate others if they don't share our interests. It's great. It's normal to have things that interest you and things that don't when it comes to us. But the problem comes when we start to think that God is the same as us. And it's a trap, actually, that's really easy to fall into. We think because we have areas of interest and disinterest in our lives, God must have areas that he's interested in and areas he's not interested in as well. And so what we do is we divide things up. We, we divide them up into the things that God is really interested in, the things that God has really got his hand on, and the things he hasn't. We've got the things that God is really passionate and cares about, and then the things he hasn't. And so this is how this all plays out. And if we're in this mindset, what we might do is we might take all the things that we consider sacred, and we'll put them over here in the things that God is really interested in box. So prayer. We know that God is interested in prayer. We know that. So over here it goes into our sacred box. Bible reading. Yep, that goes into the sacred pile. Worship. We know that God cares about our worship. So in the sacred box, that goes as well. Personal morality. Well, maybe we struggle a bit with this one, but we know it should go into this box. Yeah, we should base our personal morality on what God says. And we wrap all these things up and, and perhaps a few more and we place them over here safely in their sacred box. And this is the part that we give to God. This is the part we surrender because that's the part he's really interested in, right? That's the part he's really focused on. That's the part he's involved with. That's the part he cares about. Now, perhaps we don't surrender all of that entirely willingly, but we know that we should at least make the effort and try to surrender it. 
But that means that over here in our secular box goes everything else. Work, school, family life, friendship, art, science, music. Unless, of course, we're talking about worship music because that goes over here. Our leisure time, our times of rest, our family, our friends. And at best, we treat all of the things over here as being God-neutral. Things he's aware of, they're not really bothered by. Things he knows we do, but he's not really that interested. As long as we're doing these things, he'll turn a blind eye to these things. As long as we get this right, it doesn't really matter what we're doing with this. These are really important to God, and these are really not. So we don't need to worry about them as long as we get that right. And this is a pervasive belief in society, and unfortunately, a pervasive belief in church as well, that God's sphere of interest is limited to those things we consider directly related to him. The sacred part of our lives belong to God. The rest of it is ours to do with as we please. But that's just not true. Now, I'm hoping that our text will come up here. If it doesn't, I'll read to you. But would you? Right, okay. Um, I'm going to read some verses to you. If you want to take the sermon notes sheets, which are on the back table, you'll find these verses printed in there. But it's not true, is it? God is not just interested in a bit of our lives and not interested in the rest of it. Hear these words from Colossians. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All things. From Revelation chapter 4, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. All things. And again, from John 1, 3, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All things. I'm sure you get the message here. And that's just three verses I plucked pretty much at random from a bigger list of verses that we could have had. You're all getting the message here, yes? God created what? All things. God created all things, not just some things. God didn't just create the things that we've put in the box over here. He didn't just think, oh, these things I have created, these He created all things, both boxes. And if God created all things, if God created day and night, the land and the seas, the flora and the fauna of such rich variety that it's kept David Attenborough in khaki trousers and weatherproof jackets all these years. If God created all things in heaven and on the earth, then he created all the things we put over here too. And he is in control of these things, work, school, family life, friendship, art, science, music, including worship music, and our leisure time and our resting times, and everything else. And if God created it, why do we act so often like he's really uninterested in these things? Why do we say, well, here are the things God cares about, and, and, and here, he's, ha he's really involved, really interested in those, but we can just crack on over here. Yeah, when it comes to our prayer life, we're going to be really zoned in. We're going to be focused on God. When it comes to our scripture reading, we're going to be really focused in. We're going to be zoned in on God. When it comes to our morality, we're going to be really focused in and zoned in on God most of the time. When it comes to church going, we're going to be really focused in and zoned in on God. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. 
It doesn't really matter whether Jesus is present in this bit because I've done that bit. I've done that bit. And this becomes a problem for us because when we separate out what we consider sacred from what we consider secular, we basically deny God's sovereignty over all creation. We diminish him. We reduce him. We limit his sphere of influence and concern to a small number of things. And that means we don't have to worry so much about these other things. After all, if they don't hold God's attention, if they're not coming to his notice, if, if they aren't his thing, then we don't need to worry ourselves about how we go about them either. Let's go back to that 112 hours 112 hours, remember, if you're sleeping eight, night, eight hours a night, congratulations to you. If you're sleeping eight hours a night, let me know your secret. You have 112 waking hours in the week. So let's say, let's say we're good, obedient Christians and we come to church every week. And let's be generous and let's say that we come to church and we'll give ourselves two hours from that, right? From the moment we walk in the door to the moment we leave, we're going to say two hours, okay? Now, maybe we're part of a small group as well that meets once a week. You know, we value small group discipleship. We value the relationships. We value the fact that that's where our growth really happens. And let's say we're going to do that for another two hours a week, okay? Now, let's say we're also, we're really devout, okay? We get this box. We are like on top of this box. We get this. We are, we are owning this box. So we do our daily devotions. We're reading our Bible. We do our daily prayers. And, and we're involved in a couple of ministries in, in church. Let's say that's another four hours. In fact, on average and this is according to surveys done in both the UK and the US, on average, people who are churchgoers, who are regular church attendees, those we might call committed Christians, usually spend about 10 hours a week on church-related activities. That's 10 hours where they're involved in a ministry setting or a small group or they're attending a service or something like that. 10 hours on top of a working week. Now, this is quite, you know, that's quite, quite reasonable, isn't it? You know, you work, you've got a 40-hour working week, you've got another 10 hours, you're 50 hours a week. So let's go with that. Let's say 10 hours a week. That leaves another 102 hours in the week. 102 hours where if we've fallen into this way of thinking, this two-part way of thinking where God cares about some things and not other things, that's 102 hours a week where God is not involved in our daily lives. It's 102 hours a week where we act like God is not involved in our daily lives. That is the majority of the week. 102 hours a week where God is absent from our day-to-day -day living. Now, before we carry on, and I want to be really absolutely very clear on this, and I want to make sure you're not hearing me wrong, I am not saying we need to be doing more in church. I'm not saying we need to add more to this box. I am not saying we all need to spend every waking minute we have free serving in a ministry or attending a church event or with church people. In fact, I want to suggest, controversially, we should probably be doing almost the complete opposite. The times we gather together, we six percenters who are committed regular churchgoers, who come to church most, if not every Sunday of the year, who gather regularly, who consider themselves authentic, genuine followers of Jesus. The times we gather together are important. In fact, they're vital for us. They equip us, they energize us, they revitalize us, and they ensure that we are growing in love and knowledge of Christ. But they aren't the main thing. 
they're not what it's all about. The most important thing is that we are living 24-7 as authentic followers of Jesus, wherever we are and whatever we are doing. It's not about the two hours we're here on a Sunday morning or the 10 hours we spend in church. It's about the other 102 hours. It's about how we spend our lives outside these walls. Sunday worship, midweek prayer, small groups, coffee mornings, Bible studies, devotionals, these are all vital because they build us up and they prepare us for lives of service outside the church walls. They build us up for a life of service outside the church walls. I want to tell you a story. It's a true story as far as I'm aware. Uh, the source is, is, as far as I'm concerned, unimpeachable, but I wasn't alive in 19, whenever this was, 1950s, 1960s, so I can't verify it personally. So back in the late 50s, early 60s, in one of the blisteringly hot southern states of America, a town meeting was called. The civil rights movement is sweeping across the nation, and the townsfolk folk, sorry, were, in, were gathering in the wake of the historic decision taken by the U.S. Supreme Court to end segregation in schools. Now, many of you might remember this or be aware of this, that U.S. schools were so far behind, uh, especially in the southern states, that there were still segregated schools. There were schools for black people and schools for white people, and the two just didn't mix. It's a horrendous, awful time in the history of our world. And this is within living memory. So a small group of concerned citizens had formed to fight against this order. And they'd gathered people together with representatives of the town's schools and uh, other officials to fight this call to end segregation, to fight against integration. It was a frightening and tense situation. Speaker after speaker stood up, pouring out vile hatred and condemnation on the court's decision and calling the people to resist. Sometime well into the debate, the local pastor, fresh from evening prayers, walked in, took his allocated seat on the stage, and started to listen to what was going on. He listened to all that was being said, and after a while, he stood, indicated that he would like to speak. Now, the chair immediately yielded the mic. I mean, this was back in the day that pastors commanded that level of respect. This was at the time when pastors generally were not entirely sure where they fed, uh, where they uh, fell on this issue. And the town chairman thought, here we go, we're going to get the pastor, a respected man in the community, say this shouldn't happen. The pastor was an older gentleman, and he had served the community for decades. He'd baptized, married, and buried townsfolk. He'd preached faithfully every Sunday morning. He'd prayed with his flock. He'd been with them at their lowest moments and celebrated their greatest achievements. And he spoke with a low and serious voice, saying, I am ashamed. I am ashamed that this community where I have served and I've come to know and love you as brothers and sisters in Christ is debating this motion. I might have thought that my many years of preaching the gospel had done some good. Tonight, I feel differently. I cannot speak to those of you who are not of my flock but to those who are, I can only say that I am ashamed of you, hurt by you, and I might have expected more. And with that, he left the meeting. It awkwardly resumed, but one by one, most of the members of the pastor's church quietly got up, left the building, and soon the meeting collapsed. Within a month, the schools were fully integrated. 
an ordinary pastor. And no one knows his name. The storyteller where I found this story couldn't remember the pastor's name. An ordinary man who had faithfully served, who had walked alongside these very ordinary people, bore witness to Jesus Christ that night. When it would have been easier to keep quiet, when it would have been more political to keep quiet, where he put himself in the firing line, he spoke out. He spoke out because he knew a truth. The call to be a Christian is to live a Christian life all the time. The call to be a Christian is to live a Christian life every moment of it, 24-7, no matter what. No matter if it's not comfortable, no matter if it's not expedient, no matter if it's not easy, no matter if it loses you friends, the call to be a Christian is to walk with Jesus every single moment of your life. We are a sent people. We are not called to just gather together and sing a few songs, listen to a Bible reading, hear a sermon and enjoy coffee and perhaps cake afterwards and then disappear into the world as if we're no different to anyone else. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love playing dress up. Many of you will have done the same and those of you who've been blessed with children will recognize this. You know what? Dress up when you're a kid is brilliant, isn't it? You can stick a towel in the back of your t-shirt and you're Superman. You put a hat and a pair of sunglasses on and you're a spy. You know, it's, it's fantastic, the imagination of a child and you can pretend you can play dress up. And to be honest, my love of dressing up hasn't really gone anywhere. As many of you will remember from our all-age services, give me an excuse to pop a costume on. I'm there. I'll wear a costume. I'd love it. Who wouldn't? We can't dress up as Christians. We can't just pop the Christian clothing on, the Christian costume on for the Sunday morning. When we're with other Christians and we want to look good and then take it off the second we're out the doors. We can't play dress up and be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. It's not a thing that happens here. It's a thing that we are in every moment of our lives. In the reading we heard earlier, Peter puts it this way, to God's elect, exiles scattered through the provinces. God's elect, that is the people who are followers of Jesus Christ, those who have tasted and seen of the goodness of God, who have repented of their sins and come to faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Those who have been rescued and redeemed, who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Those who have called on the name of Jesus and who know the love and the mercy that is found in him. That's us. We are those people. We are God's elect. We are God's chosen heirs. We are going to share kingship with Jesus. We share the inheritance of the kingdom with Christ. That's us. That's amazing. But we live as exiles, scattered throughout the lands. We are not in our final home yet. That kingdom that's been built all around us through our witness is not fully here. It's the now and not yet kingdom, the beautiful, glorious paradox of the now and not yet kingdom of God, inaugurated by Christ and breaking into present reality, but not fully established until he returns. So for now, we live in a broken and imperfect world as exiles from the home we know awaits us. But the important thing is that we live in it. 
We live in it. We live in it, not for our sakes, not for our glory, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the world. The broken, fallible, beautiful, complex, awful, terrifyingly marvelous world that's out there. We live for it. God has called us. He has elected us. He has chosen us to take his blessing into the world. Because when we live as a transformed people, that's when we can ignite the same transformation in others. You know, there's a wonderful phrase that comes up in church growth, weirdly enough. And it says, church is not about our seating capacity, but about our sending capacity. It's not about how many bums on seats we get on a Sunday morning. It's about how many lives are won for Jesus out there. It's not about how big our Sunday service is. It's about how many people are following Jesus. It's not about whether we have the biggest buildings, the best facilities, the most dynamic worship. It's not about any of those things, though those things are great. And Lord, if you want to bless us with a church of 200, bring it on. But it's about the people out there. When Jesus says, follow me, he means it. He means follow him into the world. Follow him to the people that God wants to reclaim for himself. And this is vital. So I'm going to give you a few more statistics. Because who doesn't love statistics? We already know that 6% of the population attends church regularly. Now that figure actually drops to about 4.5% if you just narrow it down to England. About 59% of the population self-identify as Christian. Why? 53% of them are not involved in a Christian community is a matter for another time. In fact, when you factor in other religions in the UK, we still only get 65% of people ticking the box that say they have a religious belief. As of Friday, there are 68. Uh, sorry, yeah, 68.5 million people, roughly, living in the UK. Now, some of you who are better at maths than me, and I did have to do this with a calculator, will have worked out that that is nearly 24 million people who declare that they have no religious belief. 24 million people. And even more astoundingly, 64.5 million people who don't come to church. 64.5 million people who don't belong to a Christian community. 64.5 million people what if, and I know for some of us, that combination of words strikes fear into our hearts. What if we use those 102 hours that we're not either asleep or in church to reach some of those 64 and a half million people? What if we stop thinking that God's only interested in the stuff in this box over here, but is actually he's profoundly interested and involved and active in every area of our lives? What difference might that make to the way we live, to the way we work, to how we interact with other people? What difference might it make if we gave Jesus every moment of our lives? And if we started to see ourselves as Christ's ambassadors, his witness, what if we lived as a sent people? Peter's description of us as exiles that picture that we had earlier of the red dots scattered 
and scent might not resonate with us fully right now. Perhaps, if we're honest with ourselves, we're actually a little frightened of the implications of giving ourselves so completely over to God. Perhaps if we're honest with ourselves, we're kind of comfortable with the way things are. We don't really want to change in case we become uncomfortable. Perhaps if we're honest, we're a little worried that when we give those 102 hours to God, he might well ask us to do something we've never done before. But if we want to live as authentic followers of Jesus in this world, if we are to fulfill that great commission that we read earlier, if we are to embrace God's call on our lives, and if we are to make an impact on those 64 and a half million people who are not in Christian community and the 24 million people who frankly have refused Christ, then we have to stand up and we have to give an answer. So I'm going to invite you to do something now. I'm going to invite you to stand in a minute and I'm going to invite you to turn and face the doors at the back there, just under the clock, the doors that you will have all walked in through this morning. And I'm going to say a prayer. And if you want to make this commitment to follow Jesus into the world, to give those 102 hours back to him, I want you to uh, respond as I end the prayer and share the words of the prophet Isaiah and simply say this, here I am, Lord, send me. Let's have a little practice. So we say, here I am, Lord, send me. Would you stand and face the doors? In fact, Meg, could you open the doors for me? Let's pray. Father God, we want to give you every moment of our lives. We want to live as authentic followers of Jesus Christ, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We don't just want to surrender bits of our lives to you and keep the rest for ourselves. But we want to say, Lord, come and have your way in every aspect of our being, of our thinking, of our doing, of our living. Lord, out there is your world. Help us to step out in faith and with courage. Help us in the power of your spirit to go and join in with the work you are already doing in your kingdom. For we long to see it. We long to see it here in our patch of Hastings. We long to see it across the town, across the nation and across the world. Lord, transform, revive and heal society. And send us, Lord, because here I am. Send me. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks for joining us on the Holton Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to keep in touch with you, so do reach out to us. You'll be able to find us at our website. That's www.holtonbaptists.org.uk. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram if you search for at Holton Baptists. And we hope that you will join us again next time as we share the word of God and the love of Jesus Christ with you. God bless.